Chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me. And my God, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing Toils and snares I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home when we've been there. Shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. My chains are gone, I've been set free. Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing Yeah. 
Test, test, one, two. Uncle Jason, can you hear me? Spotifyers, click or tap the banner to listen to Feeling Myself, the hip-hop playlist that's a whole mood. Brought to you by your friends at Fetch Rewards. Get Receipt Rich. to Barbecue 2021 Summer Party on Spotify. All out of skips? With Premium, you get unlimited skips to pass on the songs you don't want to hear, even on mobile. So the next time you're looking for that perfect song to set the mood, you won't have to wait around to get more skips. Step back into the world of Premium and hear what you want, when you want. Tap the banner to learn more. My all in all, here in 
Yikes. Well, now that I've got your attention, <laughs> that's one way of doing it, I guess. Welcome to everyone. We're glad that you're here tonight on a very rainy, stormy day and night. We have a wonderful speaker this evening. Jason Moon uh, will be speaking to us. He's the preacher at the Waterview Church in Richardson. He has lots of family here, but then again, he has lots of family here all the time. And uh, one of those family members, uh, Jude, will be leading our songs tonight. And another one of those family members, Kelly, will be uh, introducing him more formally and leading a prayer before Jason speaks. Our summer series has been wonderful this, uh, this summer. This will be the last speaker we have. Our theme has been taken from Romans 8, uh, Looking Forward. Conquered or Conqueror, and we've heard how several Bible characters were more than conquerors, and uh, we are grateful for all of the ones that have participated this summer, and we're really looking forward to Jason being here tonight. Next Wednesday night, we will have our uh, prayer night, and we have a lot of our young boys that will be involved in that, some of our not-so-young boys as well, and then after that prayer devotional next Wednesday night, uh, we'll have uh, ice cream sundays, and all of that will take place in the Family Life Center. So next Wednesday night at 6.30, we'll be in the Family Life Center for our prayer devotional, and then ice cream sundays uh, after that. So be sure to plan on coming for that. I know we have a lot of folks watching us on the live stream. We've had some check in just to make sure we were doing this tonight, who were going to forego driving here because of the weather. And so welcome to all of you that are watching uh, online tonight as well. A uh, few prayer updates. Remember that you can uh, see these in our, on our app, our West Irwin app. Be sure and watch those. Also be watching for our, uh, uh, annual, our weekly church email. That will be coming out later this week. And it will also have uh, in that a uh, poll that we'll be taking this Sunday morning during our teen and adult Bible classes about our Sunday night program. We're going to kick off our Sunday night activities again next month. Uh, but we want to get a feel from the congregation for what you want to participate in. So uh, be looking, planning on that and look forward to uh, this coming Sunday morning in our Bible classes. And, uh, and we'll be having a poll shared and also some discussion about that uh, during our uh, Bible classes this Sunday. Uh, other activities are on our app. We have several things coming up, including our October seminar uh, with Kyle Budd of Apologetics Press, def Defending the Truth. 
We also have on September 19th our grand reopening. Uh, we're calling it Welcome Home Sunday, and we'll have a luncheon that day and uh, a formal welcoming of Mr. and Mrs. Tucker Sullivan. They'll be back from their wedding and honeymoon. We're looking forward to that and opening up our classes beginning on September the 12th. So there's a lot going on, and we're praying that God will continue to bless us as we seek uh, to love and serve him and love and serve each other and our neighbor around us as well. So some prayer updates. Candy Hilliard had surgery Friday and is recovering at home. Mary Lee injured her leg. Uh, she has a broken toe and a twisted ankle and a cast up to her knee. So keep Mary in your prayers. Nina Crow is home and is going through some testing. Uh, Charles Valentine, the creator of Children's Bible Study website, uh, is on our prayer list. Uh, Jeff Steifer's sister, Kayla Busby, uh, is on our prayer list. She has had cancer before, and her cancer has returned. And uh, speaking with uh, Karis, she also, uh, Jeff's mother, I believe, was taken to the hospital today. Is that right? And so let's keep uh, the Steifer family in your prayers. Uh, Joanne Wilkinson's grandson, Aidan O'Donnell, is on our prayer list uh, with uh, uh, kidney issues uh, related um, uh, to, uh, he's undergoing dialysis uh, and uh, we'll be looking for a kidney transplant. Um, also, Ralph Henderson. Ralph is in continued care at Trinity Mother Francis Hospital. Uh, we had reported that he was on a ventilator, but that is not the case. Uh, Barbara actually was able to go see him yesterday and today, so we're thankful for that. He's still very serious, still in continued care, recovering from COVID, and uh, is in isolation, basically, but is not on a ventilator. Jim Boyd had cataract surgery today. I, as far as I know, that went well. Is there anybody that uh, can give me a nod of approval on that one? I believe that that is the case. Uh, we have several of our family and extended family that have, are recovering from COVID. Uh, David Wicks was tested positive on Monday. Uh, Jenny is still in Georgetown with their grandbaby and their family who have also been on our prayer list. Jonathan and Christina Ramirez, also Harold and Shirley Denman, and uh, Greg Latham. And so we want to remember all of them. Um, Faye Kennard is at Colonial Nursing Home in Lindale. And Ann Ware, a friend of the Kennedys, is in MD Anderson Hospital with stage four ovarian cancer. And they've asked us to remember her and her young family uh, in our prayers. Uh, a lot going on as we were uh, sharing some of these uh, announcements and prayer concerns. It was a very serious moment in our staff meeting on Tuesday. Uh, and then uh, our wonderful youth minister, Tucker, uh, passed around the wedding invitation. And it was just what we needed, <laughs> a very warm moment and a very great reminder that God is still here. He is still in control and he still continues to bless our lives and the lives of those we love. So this evening, let's sing out as Jude leads us. Uh, let's pray out as Kelly will uh, be leading us in our prayer and then uh, look forward to hearing from our brother, Jason Moon.
decided to make it a family affair tonight, so hopefully this won't be the last time you see this guy up here. So I'm going to let Jude officially introduce his uncle once we get done praying, and we told him he had to say something really embarrassing about him. So I introduced him last year, apparently didn't embarrass him enough because he came back, so Jude gets to tell an embarrassing story this year about him. So we'll leave that to Jude here in a second. Let's, let's pray. Father, we truly are grateful uh, for the group of people that are here, uh, the group of people that gathered to uh, to learn about you, to, to hear about your son Jesus and what you've done for us. Father, I pray that you will bless this group of people. Bless each one of us. Help us to understand uh, the plan of salvation that you set forward on day one for us. And Father, help us to teach that and take that to the world. Uh, we know that the world is lost without that message. And help us to be the, the messenger that take that. Father, I pray that you'll be with Jason tonight and help him to remember the things that he studied, remember the things that you've put on his heart to say to us. And Father, thank you for men like him that have dedicated their lives, dedicated their time, their energy and effort to, to teaching us, to teaching uh, your people, to teaching the world about your son, Jesus. Thank you for young men like Jude who also stepped forward in leading our worship and uh, that we can teach and train our young people to, to be a part of what you have uh, for us and what you've set forward. And Father, I pray that you, uh, you'll continue to bless the works of, of Tucker and Elizabeth and uh, the youth ministry here and help them to teach and to train uh, those young hearts to to be warriors for you father be with us tonight again as we uh, we worship you and as we study and as we think about the things you've done for us uh, thank you for protecting us today from the rain uh, we saw your glory in the rain we saw your glory in the sunshine after uh, father thank you for the beauty and the, that you put around us and placed around us in the world help us to enjoy that but to also remember that you created it all for us father be with us keep us safe be with those that are sick be with those that are unable to be here tonight. Uh, be with those who want to be here. And Father, just uh, put your uh, hedge of protection around them. Uh, get them back to health so that we can have them here with us. Uh, Father, forgive us when we sin. We fail you daily. Uh, we fail you uh, when we sometimes don't even know about it, Father. But uh, help us to be mindful of that. Help us to always uh, try to look for ways to uh, discern good and evil, Father, that we can be better people, that we can serve you better. Thank you for all you do for us. We love you. It's in Christ let we pray. Amen. Introducing my uncle Jason, uh, I remember when I was in his BMW riding somewhere, I think, to go eat, and he rolled his windows down and his um, head. Then my hair was going crazy, like a maniac. So here he is. They did that to me back there. I know, I know it. I, they were plotting how they could get me not to speak very long. I, <clears throat> so, thank you, Jude. Let me say this again. Thanks, Kelly. And thanks, Knox. And thank you, Wes Irvin, uh, for allowing me to be here 
it's always great to get the invitation to come and be with you. And if you'll keep inviting me, I'll, I'll keep accepting the invitation to come. And I'm glad it worked out where mom and dad could be here as well so we could spend some time with Heather and our family. Uh, it's always great and an honor to, to be here with you at West Irwin. I um, want to take just a moment before we jump into the lesson. And uh, I know you've got some activities coming up. It sounds like this fall. And one of them is on September 19th. Uh, maybe I heard that date, 18th, but on September the 11th, that's a special date to us because we always know and remember the, the terrible terrorist attack that occurred uh, way long ago. But um, on that Saturday, though, uh, at Waterview, we are partnering with the, the uh, Manford, Oklahoma Church. And this is the church that puts on a workshop for elders led by elders called Beside Still Waters. And... Um, it is, um, I've got some brochures and I've got them out in the truck, but it was raining. So I'm hopefully it's not going to be raining by the time this is over. And I'll go grab some of those and I'll leave them with Bill. So if any of you would like to participate in this, it's, it's, a, it's a workshop for elders, but it's beneficial for preachers. It'd be beneficial for elders or young men or anybody who has any interest in shepherding God's church. These elders, a few years ago, I talked to their preachers, uh, their, one of their preachers in this eldership looked at the church and they weren't pleased with how things were going. And instead of saying it's the preacher's fault, they looked inward and said, you know, it's us. We need to do some changing. We need to do some adjusting. And so this, this became a homegrown effort for them to learn how to shepherd the church better. And they started sharing this information with others. And now they've been doing this for a few years. And because of COVID, what they're doing, they're partnering with churches um, in certain areas and they're going to be live streaming to those sites, and we're one of the host congregations, uh, and this is on September the 11th, it starts in the morning, goes through the early afternoon. I realize um, that is fo uh, college football, uh, and I, in case you're wondering, that's the Saturday that Texas and, and Oakland, rather Texas and Arkansas play, but it's at night, so you're, you're not going to miss a game if you come. As a matter of fact, the schedule's pretty light that day. Um, but we would love for anybody to come up and enjoy this day with us, fellowship with us. Only thing we ask you to do is let us know you're coming. The information's in here, how you can register, or even call the church office and let us know so we can provide lunch for you. Just want to take a moment to say something about that. Would be something real beneficial to you, we believe. Everybody recognize, recognizes these numbers. 39, 27, 66. If you've been going to Bible class for any length of time, you know what those numbers represent. 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books, and of course, 66 books of the Bible. But here's a number that you may not associate with, the number 13. A lot of people think, oh, that's bad luck, 13. Do you know what that number signifies? That is the number that most biblical scholars are pretty much in full agreement on that the, the Apostle Paul actually wrote, the human author, if you will, guided by the Holy Spirit as he wrote, Paul, the Apostle, wrote 13 of the 27 New Testament books. And, and this is pretty widely held among scholars. I mean, there's not much debate at all that this is the case. And there are some people, if you want a little controversy, there are some people that would that would even say they believe he is the, the human penman for the book of Hebrews. And that's not something I necessarily think, but there's a lot of debate about that. 
if that were to be the case, that's 14 of the New Testament books. And you know, as well as I do, the, the book of Acts well enough to know that in the book of Acts, although he didn't write the book of Acts, Luke wrote the book of Acts, the apostle Paul, as we're introduced to him there in Acts chapter 7, he pretty much becomes the main character of the rest of that book. Or So over half the book of Acts is really about this character, the apostle Paul. It's not a stretch at all. It's not an exaggeration at all to say that the apostle Paul is the most influential person in the history of Christianity other than Jesus Christ. And anyone that would come after Jesus, after Jesus established the church, nobody can really rival, perhaps with the exception of the Apostle Peter, the influence of the Apostle Paul. It's really an amazing thing. Now, perhaps the most amazing thing about the Apostle Paul is that he did something that most people are not even willing to come close to doing. His life was on a trajectory that you might say was going this way, by way of an example, and let's just say this way is the wrong way, and he was going this way as fast and as hard and as straight way as possible, and then all of a sudden he did what most people cannot do. He made a complete 180. He, he, he was going this way, and then he had the courage to completely turn his life around, which is what a 180 is, of course, and he went the exact opposite way in a brand new direction. It's the most amazing story, perhaps, in Scripture, again, other than the story of Jesus Christ. Now, some people would today would probably say, well, you know, he had a lot of advantage. The, the word today that's the hot word is he, he might have been even privileged. Well, we know that, that Paul had devout Jewish parents who raised him in the import, important port city of Tarsus. Uh, some scholars believe that Paul's father might have been a Roman general or perhaps a, an administrator in the Roman government. And so obviously we know that he was a, a Roman citizen and maybe that's how he got his citizenship. We, we know that he grew up as an elite member of society, you might say. He had the best teacher that one could have in those days, Gamaliel. And so we, we know that his life was in fact one uh, that had some advantage. Yet Paul, again, did that thing that is so hard to do, no matter who you are, and that is when you realize you're on the wrong trajectory, he was willing to stop in his tracks and he was willing to make a complete turnaround, which put him, instead of on that road to destruction, it put him on a road to success. Now, what a lot of people don't understand is once you make that decision and you turn away from the road to destruction and you get on the road to success, that, 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 that's not the end of the story. As a matter of fact, as far as the old devil's concerned, that's when he gets most interested in you because if you're going this way, he already had you, right? And so when you, when you make that turn, you're just about to run into some difficulty. And so as amazing as his turnaround was at the moment he made the turnaround, 
the issue with the Apostle Paul that's really fascinating to me, and it's the one I want to talk about tonight, is even though he was conquered, you might say, on this path, the devil had him right where he wanted him on this path, when Paul made his amazing change and turned his life around for Jesus Christ, even though he turned toward being a conqueror, there were some really big potholes on that road that could have nabbed him, it could have got him, it could have knocked him off course, if you will. And, and, and that's what I want us to focus on tonight, because there's no question that as you've studied in this series, these Bible characters that, you know, you've looked at all kind of examples of how they could have been the people who got conquered these people all did something or things, you might even say, to not be conquered but become a conqueror. And what I want to concentrate on in the next few minutes is at least three or four things, depending on how much time we have, three or four things that the Apostle Paul had to do to avoid being conquered. And then we'll come back quickly after that and we'll we'll notice the things that could have conquered him, and then we'll, we'll come back and look at the things that he had to do to avoid allowing those things to conquer him. So there, there are four things that just really jump out at me, and, and maybe you could think of some other things, but there are four things that jump out at me that could have conquered Paul. Two of them occur, I guess you would say, uh, maybe pre-conversion, and then two of them post-conversion, but, but at the same time, all of these could have stopped him from either making the turnaround or, after he got turned around, staying on the straight and the narrow way. Let me run through those four things with you uh, right quick. Number one, his pride, Paul's pride, could have probably stopped him from ever making the initial turnaround. If you have a Bible, uh, look with me to Philippians, the third chapter. Philippians chapter 3 and we'll just read a few verses here, beginning in verse 4, where it says, Paul writing, Though I myself have reason for confidence, pride, for though myself I have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. What, what, what I'm reading here to you, here in Philippians chapter 3, is really Paul's pedigree. It's you know, Paul saying, if anybody had a right to be proud about something, to say, look, I, look at my record, Paul had the right to do that. If he wanted to boast in a, a record, if he wanted to boast about something he'd accomplished that, that many others couldn't say, this was it. You know, Bible scholars recognize that there are what, have been called seven deadly sins. Pride, envy, anger, lust, greed, gluttony, and sloth or laziness. These, Bible scholars say, are the chiefs of sin. 
basically the, the, the parents of sin because from, from these seven deadly sins, all the other sins arise. And, and as bad as they all are, pride is the chief ringleader of them all. He's the chief of the chief as far as the sins are concerns, with concerned because pride is really the very essence of, of sin. C.S. Lewis once said, pride is the complete anti-state of mind, anti-God rather, state of mind. It is the great sin that leads to all other sins because pride is the exaltation of self above all authority, even God's authority. And for this reason, pride has been called cosmic arrogance because it places an individual as the very center of the universe. And you know, that's an issue. That's an issue that all of us have to be aware of. The the real problem with a proud look, and that's one of the characteristics of sin, you know, that the Bible talks about. I mean, incidentally, I could tell you a lot more about what the scriptures say that pride does to us. But one of the things is it causes us to have a proud look. You know, the problem with a proud look, a problem with looking down on others. The problem with that is if you're always looking down on others, you're never looking up at God. So we've got to be very, very careful of this. And if, if, if anybody, if anybody had maybe a built-in excuse to allow pride to keep them from doing the right thing, the Apostle Paul was right there. Incidentally, you know what he said about the things that he took pride in after he became a Christian from that perspective? It's in this very same text there in Philippians chapter 3. He said, but whatever gain I had, the, the things that I counted um, you know, as gain or the things I were proud of, he says, I counted them as loss for the sake of Christ. And verse 8 is an amazing verse because he goes on to say, Indeed, I counted everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You may have a translation of the Bible that has the word dung there. I don't have to tell you what that means. You know what that means. It's, it's the, the, the Greek word scubalon or scabalon. And it, it, you know, in, in the right context, it could even be considered a, what we call a cuss word. But Paul uses it in a, a sense to, and I'm not saying Paul said a cuss word, but the sense he uses it, it, it in, he is saying the, the things that I thought were the best were the very, very worst, the things that we would avoid the most. I counted those things as loss. So, so pride is one thing that can conquer people, and it could have conquered Paul. The second thing, you know, his past, Paul's past could have been something that kept him from ever being the person that we know him to be. Everybody here has a past. No one can be totally comfortable with their past. No one can live with no regrets. We all have them. We all have done something or some things that we wish we could redo. There are some of those mistakes that leave us with shame. 
Some of them we wish we could just bury literally, but they always kind of come back. They haunt us. And yet the day that the Apostle Paul met Jesus, he could have said to the Lord, instead of, as we're going to see here in a moment, instead of saying, what do I do? Saul could have said, look what I've done. That day that the Lord appeared to him, when he was on this road going in the wrong direction, he could have said, you don't know how many bad things I've done. And if anybody could say that, the Apostle Paul could say that. If you briefly just want to look back into the book of Acts with me, and if we had more time, we could, we could spend the rest of our night just talking about his past. Because, you know, you know the latter part of chapter 7. You know chapter 7 is about Stephen preaching this message to the council about Jesus and about how he came from Israel. And these very people should have been the one to recognize him and to, and to honor him. And, and um, at the end of the chapter, we, we read about how they rushed toward him. It says in verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and rushed together at him. And it says, they cast him out of the city, verse 58, they stoned him. A stoning is unimaginable what it must have been like. I mean, we're not talking about little pebbles or rocks. We're talking about huge, big boulders that they just threw at people and dropped on their heads and things like that. It would have been an unimaginable way to die. And it says that the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Here he is. When, when the Lord met him on the road to Damascus, Saul, who later becomes Paul, could have said, Lord, you don't know what I've done. I mean, he could have used that as an excuse. Then the next chapter, verse 8 says, Saul was approving or approved of his execution. You know, I remember in Bible class, the, the little clip art they used to have, and it looked like there was a little boy you know, by the, a little boy over here in a Jewish robe and kind of standing watching and maybe holding everybody's coats as if, you know, he was like their little errand boy. And, you know, he was just kind of standing by watching. But verse 8 says he approved of this. And what most Bible scholars think is Saul actually was the one in charge of this execution. And, and, and if that's not the case, soon he became in charge of the overall persecution because, chapter 8, there arose a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles devout men carrying carried Stephen and made great lamentation over him but Saul was ravaging the church entering house after house he dragged off men and women committing them to prison we're already hearing whispers about what's probably going to happen to any believer in Afghanistan, and we can only imagine. Saul was doing the very, very same thing. You know, the excuse, Lord, you don't know what I've done. Eventually, Paul, looking back on it, would even say, I am the chief of sinners. And so what I'm saying to you is everybody has a past, but that's not a valid excuse. And I'll tell you 
why that's not a valid excuse here in just a moment. We're going to circle back to that. And so it, it could have been pride that stopped Paul in his tracks and could have conquered Paul. It could have been his past. He just might not have been able to get over it. Another thing it could have been, after he became a Christian, nobody other than Jesus Christ probably ever suffered more persecution for their faith than the Apostle Paul. I mean, real, valid persecution. I mean, not someone making fun of you because you're a Christian. I grew up in a time in America where about the worst thing that could happen to you was if you stood up for something you thought was right and people laughed at you. That's about all they would do. Well, we probably are coming closer to times in the future where it's not going to be like that. It's going to be more like it was in Scripture. And we know, in, again, in certain parts of the world, it already is that way. Quickly, look at 2 Corinthians with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And th this is just one of the times, incidentally, one of the times when the, uh, the Apostle Paul kind of stops and says something about his persecutions and, and the things that he went to. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning, oh, um, we could start up about verse 16, but let, let's start reading about verse number 23 or so. He's talking about more imprisonments, countless beatings, often near death. I mean, if he just stopped right there, that's, that's hard for us to imagine. But then he, he does this. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. That could kill a guy right there. And it happened to Paul five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. I wonder if he thought about Stephen when that happened. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and toil and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. When's the last time you got hungry for Jesus? I mean, because of Jesus. When's the last time you were actually cold because of your faith in Jesus. I mean, these are the, these are the most minor things that could have happened. But, but they happened along with all of these major things. It's just quite, a, quite, quite unimaginable for us to think about all the things that happened. And certainly, one of the big potholes on the road to being a conqueror is if you start having to suffer for your faith, it, it could be one of those things that would derail you. And we'll talk about how Paul avoided that here in just a moment. I want to say one other thing real quickly that could have derailed Paul, and that is his preaching. Sometimes when a person finds the truth, after they've been so, so lost, like Paul was, they get so ravenous, they forget what it's like to be lost. Sometimes a preacher forgets why he preaches. Preaching is never about being right. It's always about the one who is right. 
And I need to remember that. All of us preachers need to remember that. And, and Paul, what I'm saying is he didn't turn so negative and so cruel and so, so, so harsh that he couldn't still relate to people and understand people and reach out to people. And, and we all have seen preaching used like a weapon to beat people up, and that's not preaching of the good news. Paul avoided that, and we should as well. So we've looked at the, these things that could, have, that could have conquered the Apostle Paul. And, and these are real things. These are very serious things. His pride, his past, uh, his persecutions, even his preaching. So how did he avoid all of that and overcome those things? Well, real quickly, let's look at this. Concerning the pride, he became a very humble person. He became a very humble person. He accepted that worldly measures of success really don't matter. He knew that his record couldn't save him. His pedigree couldn't save him. I want you to quickly go over to Acts 22. And this is one of the times we learned the conversion story of the Apostle Paul. And we could look at Acts 9, but we're going to look at Acts 22 real quickly. I want to show you how even the day that he came in contact with Jesus on the road to Damascus, that he, he showed how he was starting to overcome what could have been the thing that's, that turned him away from the Lord, his pride. He overcame that with his humility. On, on the, the day that he walked down the road to Damascus, notice what happens. First of all, he looked up. Remember we talked about how a person with pride looks down, but he looked up because it says in Acts 22 and verse 6, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. He looked up. He, he, he corrected his attitude in a sense with this bodily function of just looking up at this bright light. And then, you know what? He looked down, not on others, because it says in verse 7, I fell to the ground. He humbled himself. He fell to the ground. And then you know what he did? Verse 7, he listened. People that are full of pride don't listen. Paul listened. Acts 22, 7, I fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then you know what he's willing to do? He didn't only listen. He, he learned something. He, he, verse 8 says, I answered and I said, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting. He learned something. People that are full of pride rarely think they need to learn something. And, and then he continued to learn, he, and he looked for more answers. He, he even said in verse 10, Lord, what do you want me to do? What shall I do? People that are full of pride usually don't take advice from others. And then he listened again to the Lord's instruction, the latter part of verse 10, rise and go to Damascus, and there you'll be told all that is appointed for you to do. In Acts 9 and verse 6, the way it's put in some translations, the Lord said, go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. He overcame pride by being humble. He learned and he listened. How did he overcome the past? Paul overcame the past by fully accepting the plan, the grace, and the forgiveness of God. No matter what you have done in the past, if you've got a record that even comes close to rivaling Paul's, I kind of like to hear the story, especially if you're a Christian, because you overcome a lot. But you've got to do exactly what Paul did. You accept the plan, the grace, 
and the forgiveness of God. When, when, when Saul went into the city, God sent a man by the name of Ananias. You know the story. Sent a man to him, tell him what to do. And you know what Ananias told him to do after he witnessed that Saul had been fasting. He was blinded, you remember. He said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. Calling on the name, washing your sins away, calling on the name of the Lord. The way you call on the name of the Lord is you rise and you're baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, Paul didn't think he earned that. He had a really healthy theological view of God's plan of salvation. And he knew that it included, obviously, God's grace and his mercy. And he wrote about that in Ephesians chapter 2. He overcame his past by fully accepting the grace, the plan, the grace and forgiveness of God. He overcame that persecution that could have set him on a road to destruction again by looking at problems through a heavenly lens. And that's what we have to do. We have to learn to look at problems through a heavenly lens. We've got to remember that problems, as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, are light, they're momentary, but they're preparing something greater for us. So we've got to learn to look at problems in a positive way. We, we've got to remember, as Paul prayed for the thorn in the flesh to be removed from him, we've got to remember that God can use these problems to glorify himself. He, God can be glorified through our problems. And that's what he told Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. My, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect, is a perfect in weakness. He, he, he looked at problems as if some good can come from them. And isn't that exactly what Romans 8, verse 28 says? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, and it's this very, very passage. I'm going to stop right here because it's time for us to quit. I want to go back to Romans 8 with you because this is your theme verse. If I had more time, I'd talk to you about how he overcame the cynical idea of preaching. And I believe that Paul was a loving gospel preacher. But I want to just put a, a you know a, 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 a point right here for us to quit on and that is in Romans chapter 8 Paul is actually talking about the things some of the things that could have stopped him in his conquering that could have conquered him but he realized even though he went through all these difficulties verse 35 and verse 36 who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Some of the things we've talked about. He says, as is written, for, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep being led to the slaughter. But he says, no, 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 I'm not going to let those things conquer me. No, in all these things we are instead more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of Jesus Christ our Lord. If you are going through any kind of difficulty in your life, I just want to remind you, one of the things that you need to remember is that you can conquer through the fact that Jesus Christ and our God in heaven loves you more than anything you can imagine. So much he gave his only begotten son for you. I hope you're a spiritual conqueror. Don't be conquered, be a conqueror. 
allow the things we've talked about to hinder you in your spiritual walk. You can do this. God is for you. Let's end with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the guidance it gives to our lives. Thank you for times like this when we can come together on a Wednesday night and we can just pause and open up your word and study. We can sing songs and we can pray. And equally as important, we can just be around other people who are like-minded that can encourage us with with their walk as well. Thank you, Father, for all the blessings we have. And uh, be with us as we travel to wherever we're going tonight through this uh, stormy and rainy weather. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for participating.